Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Dobbs, deep downfield, and the pass is holding. Inside the 35-yard line by Racy McBear. Go figure. Now Donovan Wilson looks like he's playing a half-field safety, but how about the recognition by Dobbs to see Wilson come down? Plays are getting in. There are penalties on both sides tonight. Team trouble here, but it's a screen to Dean Ricardo. And he's got a first down before he's shoved out of bounds at the 36-yard line. Offense on the field for the Raiders on 4th and 21. Last call, Las Vegas. Stedham in trouble, wrapped up, taken down. Chris Jones has been a dominant force for the opening kickoff. Sixth sack of the afternoon for Kansas City. Pressure. Ball is out. San Francisco's got it. It was all Nick Bosa. They've had some trouble there at the corner position. Second and goal. He lost it to the end zone, and it is caught by Kelsey for the touchdown. Right over Isaiah Simmons. 3-1 from Kinley. Popped up. Foul ground. Third base sign. McMahon is there. And the Rockies, even this series, at a game of peace. And the Diamondbacks let one get away that they really needed against the Colorado team that had lost 12 of its previous 14 games and gets just its third win against the Diamondbacks this year. Now on fourth down. Rolling out, they're going for it. Rashada launching downfield. Looking for the end zone, and it's caught. Touchdown! Xavier Guillory, 47 yards. And a touchdown for Arizona State in the first touchdown pass for Jaden Rashada of his college career. Off his back foot, caught first down and more down the sideline. Stop and start Edwards. Touchdown, Colorado. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. And welcome to the Wednesday, September 6th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7, the Cardinals, does it matter? They have not announced a starting quarterback. The Chiefs are 49ers, which most needs to solve their current contract issue. Travis Kelsey, does his questionable status alter your opinion of Chiefs and Lions on Thursday night? The Diamondbacks, where's the offense? ASU, was there any doubt Jalen uh, Jaden Rashada would be the starting quarterback for week two? Colorado, should it be ranked? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's scheduled lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. And then one we'll serve up the introduction of today's pipeline. 9-15, a Cardinals update with Howard Balzer of PHNX.com. 
9.30, excuse me, it'll be uh, interactive action, 602-260-1060, and also some local roundup, including some Diamondbacks and uh, Rockies analysis, the uh, dismal performance last night at uh, Chase Field. And in the final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup, topped by Rip from the Headlines and From the Wire, uh, among other things. Also, uh, after the Sports Zone from 10 to noon, it will be the Extra Point, hosted by Kayla. That will include more phone call time. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we begin with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is a matter that the Cardinals have yet to announce a starting quarterback for week one on Sunday at Washington. And Kayla is here and has the early returns. No, leading the way at 100% of the vote. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Unanimous. Uh, Jonathan Gannon remains a... you know, basically publicly silent. Uh, the television network insiders uh, agree that Joshua Dobbs is the star- likely starter over Clayton Toon on Sunday at Washington. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, which team most needs to solve their contract situation? The Chiefs with Chris Jones or the 49ers with Nick Bosa? And Kayla, what's going on here? We have the 49ers and Nick Bosa at 71.4% of the vote. Chiefs, Chris Jones, 28.6%. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Both are reportedly looking for contract extensions in the Aaron Donald type money place in the world, which is pretty high, needless to say. In fact, Arnold's make, uh, Donald is making $31.6 million per year through 2025. Current to the uh, at least according to the current contract uh, website that I steal from. Meanwhile, Jason Kelsey injured his knee during the Tuesday practice. His status for Thursday night in the Chiefs opener against the Lions is uncertain, according to ESPN and the NFL Network. Is Jason Kelsey's status the difference between the Chiefs winning and losing the season opener at home against the Lions? Meanwhile, back on the local front, the Diamondbacks had a bad night. The bats were once again quiet in the 3-2 loss against Colorado. That's a night that the other wildcard contenders, Chicago, Cincinnati, and Florida, were all victorious. What has happened to the Diamondbacks' offense from the early season? Not here very often of late. Meanwhile, ASU will stick with uh, Jaden Rashada, quarterback. This is, to me, it, this to me, I, I just didn't think this was even a question, but that's one that was posed to Kenny Dillingham. He felt obligated to answer it uh, yesterday. So, uh, you know, basically, what most needs to improve from ASU and game from game one, the uh, close win against Southern Utah, what needs to most improve from game one to game two, on Saturday night at home against uh, against Oklahoma State. All right, spanning the globe, Colorado is ranked. The Buffs 22 in the AP poll. I actually forgot that they were ranked just three seasons ago. Uh, first time they've been ranked since a brief appearance in the 2020, uh, 2020 COVID season, which I think you know, most of you are college football fans. have pretty much forgotten, and everything that was going on in the world, you might have forgotten it anyway. But uh, should Colorado be ranked this right now, this year, in the AP Top 25? 
number 22 yesterday. Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's the pipeline for today. We have all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey will have a news update. That will be followed by a Cardinals discussion with Howard Balzer of PHNX.com. And uh, we'll... We haven't talked to Howard, at least on the air. I haven't talked to Howard, period. The last time I talked to Howard was uh, during the Chiefs-Cardinals preseason game when we were in the press box and kind of wondered, Isaiah Simmons this looked very good here. Well, he's not even on the team anymore. So we'll talk about Colt McCoy not here, Isaiah Simmons not here, and a whole lot more regarding the Cardinals and how with Howard in the next segment. Once again, at the bottom of the hour to be phone call time, general discussion, 602-260-1060. A little more on the Diamondbacks' uh, quiet loss last night against the Rockies. Plus, uh, we'll get to a few things in the national roundup, so that'll be the final segment of hour number one, the one-hour Sports Zone today. You're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. Have you downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Dude. Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is male chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD 2 100.7. You're home with the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. Cardinals are seven-point underdogs to begin the regular season on Sunday at Washington. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the Sports Zone by Howard Balzer of PHNX.com. Howard, let's start with uh, Colt McCoy not here anymore. Were you surprised they moved on for McCoy? I was surprised, and D.J. Humphreys, the starting left tackle, acknowledged that he was surprised when he was asked about it earlier uh, this week. So I would think there was probably a lot, a lot of raised eyebrows in the locker room uh, when that happened, and of course they, and of course that did happen four days after the Cardinals acquired Joshua Dobbs in that trade uh, with the Browns, and so obviously those two things were connected. But, you know, it truly, truly leaves, leaves a void, and that's not to argue that Colt McCoy is the greatest quarterback to come down the pike or anything like that. But the thing that I've brought up, and very few that I've seen have said, maybe you have, I hope you have, is that <laughs> if the Cardinals had any concerns about Colt McCoy back in March, or even if they didn't know what was going to happen, we were all were clamoring for a vet- an experienced backup quarterback to come to the team in the event that McCoy, even if he wasn't, let's say he was playing okay, but then got hurt, which has happened in the mm-hmm. past when he started uh, for the Cardinals. And so you'd have an experienced guy to enter the game uh, af- after 
he, he wasn't able to. But they elected not to, you know, sign Joshua Dobbs then, and he would have had the benefit. And he's granted he's not a tremendously experienced quarterback, but he has been in the league for a number of years. If they liked him as much as they say they like him now, then you wonder why they didn't bring him in then and have him t- totally prepared for this opportunity that uh, it looks like he's going to get on Sunday. And so I, I think having veteran, true veteran leadership in the, lo- in, the, in the room from a quarterback is important. We've heard multiple guys talk about how, how much Colt McCoy, Kyler Murray's talked about it, how much he's meant to him just in you know, helping him uh, with the position. And by the way, Bobby, two weeks before McCoy was traded, Drew Petzing, the offensive coordinator, talked openly about how much help Colt McCoy had been to him during the offseason mm-hmm. and that he was leaning on McCoy with some of the things as they've implemented this new offense. So we'll see how much that void is missed. We'll start seeing it Sunday probably when Dobbs is, is the starter. Um, but there, there, to me, there's no question that you know, perhaps they'll get better play at that position, but that's, that's an unknown. At least the one thing you knew with Colt McCoy – is that he was consistent, he was solid, everyone knew what he was capable of doing, and he knew this team. And you can't say that right now about the guy that looks like he's going to start against the Commanders on Sunday. So what do the Cardinals not see from McCoy either in training camp or the limited uh, preseason snaps that he got? That's, that's a great question. And I know there were some who said, well, he didn't have a couple good days in Minnesota when the team practiced up there before the game against uh, the Vikings. But on the first day of practice, no one uh, had a good day. And, and, but, you know, during camp, you know, here's the thing about it. He was on a throwing plan the entire offseason. There were days in, in OTAs and training camp where they ran the offense, but he didn't even throw the ball because they were trying to protect his elbow and have him healthy for the start of the season. And then the other part of it overall was – the way camp was structured is that there would be a you know a pretty um, up tempo day, and then they would have it would be more less tempo the next day. So he wasn't asked to do a whole lot, but what he did, I thought, was again pretty solid. I'm not going to sit here and say he's the best quarterback in the world, but he w- he was throwing the ball well when that was part of the plan uh, during camp. Now I didn't see the practices in Minnesota. But it's hard for me to imagine that all of a sudden two days of practice and they suddenly pivot and say Colt McCoy's not the guy and we've got to bring in Josh McCoy, I mean Joshua Dobbs because that happened on the same day on that after the last practice on that Thursday is you know you know not that long after that is when that trade uh, was made so it almost smacked of a little panic move at that point. So, Dobbs, do you think you know, we've seen not much of him? I saw him at Tennessee, et cetera, in college and so forth. At some point of his career, do you think it can be at least a decent NFL starting quarterback? Or we, we, maybe we haven't seen enough to even judge him, you know, to guess whether he might be decent at some point. No, that, that, that's a great question because he hasn't had the opportunity uh, to do that. He, he entered the league in 2017 with the Steelers, of course, when – uh, ben Roethlisberger was still the quarterback, and he obviously wasn't going to be the starter there unless there was a debilitating injury. But at times when there was, when Roethlisberger didn't play, Mason Rudolph uh, was the guy. So this is a player who only started, you know, two games in his in his career since 2017, and that was at the end of last season with Tennessee, which coincidentally 
he he did that when he started there. He hadn't been with the team uh, very long either, and they were playing for a playoff spot. So it's it's really impossible to say. You never know when a player gets the opportunity, how he's able to run with it, and given some time to be to become comfortable and get in rhythm and see what happens. So he he he. he everyone talks about the skills and all the different things he can do. Perhaps he could be. But I don't know how anybody could certainly say right now, either way, that he can't or he will. And but you know the Cardinals certainly appear like they're going to find out in in these opening weeks of the season until Kyler Murray is ready to play. It wouldn't surprise me though, Bobby, if there are some points that Clayton Tune uh, doesn't come into games. I'm not sure he'd start unless something happens, unless unless Dobbs is really bad or he gets injured, obviously. But I think we could see some opportunities there where depending on game situations where Tune comes in and he's able to get some reps and get some game experience. So we'll, we'll see how that uh, plays out. But like I said, it's, it's sure, even, even though we haven't been told that publicly, I mean, Jonathan Gannon has admitted that everyone in the building knows who the starter is going to be. He just wants the commanders to be quaking in their boots at night and, and, you know, and having, having problems preparing for this game because they don't know if it's going to be Dobbs or Tune. I mean, I think that's a bit of a stretch, but that's why they're playing it uh, the way they are. Yeah, I'm sure that Washington, which was a top 10 defense last year, is just you know, concerned who the Cardinals starting quarterback is going to be this week. Okay, on to Tune. Right. Uh, you saw a lot of him. Uh, you had the most snaps in the preseason. You know, you've seen him you know, get a lot of throws, and you mentioned the McCoy thing. Uh, he had some days off during training camp, so what do we think of Toon? Well, I think he's shown some, he's shown some you know, things you like to see in a quarterback, that even-keel personality, uh, the ability to improve, you know, to learn from mistakes. You know, we also saw him in the games he played – in the preseason, sail a lot of a lot of throws, especially to the perimeter, and that's something that he obviously you know you can't do that consistently in regular season games. But he does look like a guy who could potentially develop, you know, in, into into a you know certainly into a good backup, and who knows potentially you know a starter. But you know, once again, we don't know that. I mean, there's so much overreaction, Bobby, to what happens in the preseason in terms of both teams are vanilla in their offensive and defensive approach. So many of the guys on the field for most of the time aren't even on the team come the opening of the regular season. In fact, I, I looked at the, there was 15 Vikings players in that game that Saturday when, uh, when Toon started and 15 defensive players that played a lot of snaps in that game, including obviously the 11 start, the 11 starters, and only four of them made the Vikings 53-man roster. So that kind of tells you the type of guys who are out there. In fact, they had one player, a guy named Jake Gervais, who was with the Rams last season and wasn't tendered an offer in, the, in March as an exclusive rights-free agent, hadn't been with any team between March and August 24th. He was signed by the Vikings the same day that the Cardinals acquired Clayton Toon because they needed somebody to play, needed some, some bodies on defense. He played all 76 defensive snaps in the game against the Cardinals, and then he was cut on Monday So and not brought back to the practice squad. So those are the – I'm not saying all the guys were like that on the Vikings defense, but that's one who, who played an awful lot. So you just can't judge on the preseason. You can look at a player and how he's handling himself and all those things, but you still never know. Never know what's going to happen 
when they're in there with the lights on. A whole new definition of camp body there for Mr. for him. Totally. All right, Howard Balzer, <laughs> currently, currently in the sports zone. All right, Kyler Murray, his rehab has been, uh, I guess, secretive is a good word. Uh, any idea when he might be playing in a game? Well, we have an idea. I don't know if it's been secretive as much as it is expected. I mean, this was an ACL. Right. Uh, you yeah. know, Zach, Zach Ertz was activated from the physically unable to perform list right at the nine-month mark from his surgery. And nine months for, uh, for, for Murray is the beginning of October. And so I don't, there's, I don't think there's any surprise by what it is. I think a lot of people just think, well, you know, you're making progress day by day by day, and at some point you're ready. Well, a lot of times you take a step forward, then you take two steps back. And Ertz, has, Ertz talked about that. That's the reality of ACL uh, recovery. So the one thing we know is he can't begin practicing until after the fourth game of the season. And that leads me to a point about not having McCoy around because here's a huge question, which is almost impossible to answer at this right now. How do the Cardinals get practice snaps for him when there's only three days of practice in a prep week? Half of it is with your defense going against, you know, uh, the Cardinals' number one, you know, you know, uh, you know, I'm sorry, the, is, is for your number one defense going against the scout team on offense. So there's a limited number of snaps in practice in those three days. And how do they get Kyler Murray snaps when they have inexperienced an inexperienced guy starting who you have to get as many snaps as possible in the game plan? And so that's going to be an interesting challenge for them. I, I would think it could be anywhere from week six to eight or who knows, even nine. But so much obviously depends on when he is brought off that list. When that happens, you do have 21 days that he can practice before counting on the roster. But I go back to that question. How do you get him those practice snaps when you're preparing a team for play to play in a game that week? You mentioned DJ Humphreys, you know, talking about uh, you know what's going on inside the locker room type of thing. You got Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson and Humphreys, the established veteran players. What might their mentality be heading into this season? Yeah, that that's you know, right now I think they're mentality is as positive as they think it can be but of course they haven't been punched in the face yet and and that's what happens you know not literally but in games when you're playing four quarters against the number one unit on the other team I mean if we add it up that number one unit for the Cardinals didn't get many snaps in preseason games against the number one from the other team and then of course everything was vanilla anyway the regular season is another world so, so right now, I think they're buying into the approach that Jonathan Gannon is taking. But, the, again, the question becomes, what happens if they start losing games? And if they start losing games that aren't very pretty? You know, that's where, you know if you're out there competitive and you're moving the football on offense and, and you're hanging in with teams, and, okay, you lose some close games, you can at least make the argument that, hey, we're, you know, we're competing, we're in it. But if that doesn't happen then how does the mentality change? I think there could be games, Bobby, where you know the Cardinals are hanging with a team at halftime and then the other team inflicts its will because they're just better in the second half and they pull away. Of course, if that happens, every, you know, everyone on the outside will be screaming that the Cardinals didn't make halftime adjustments, which, of course, I believe are the, one of the two or the most overrated words in NFL language are halftime adjustments. But 
that that could essentially happen. So I think if there's improvement, I think if there's progress, then you know th- those guys will continue their buy-in. And I'm not saying they won't buy in if things get rough, but it, beco- it, it becomes really difficult. And 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 it really surrounds Buda Baker because we had all the off-season chatter about him. I, I my sense is a certain amount of it was tied on his part was tied to hey do I. Do, do I want to be here through this rebuild where it might be, you know, pretty rough for a couple of years and his contract expires after next season, even if the Cardinals want to extend him? Is he looking at it and saying, well, I don't know if this is the best place for me as I head towards that magic 30 years old uh, uh, barrier? So, so that, 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 but that's a question for probably next, you know, for the next off season. But I think that is a big question about this team of, how, how that will go, but like I said, if they start losing games and all of a sudden the reality of what everyone thinks on the outside comes true. Yeah, Baker and Thompson, uh, they were playing safety with Isaiah Simmons less than a month ago. What happened between the current, uh, current front office slash coaching staff and Simmons that led him out here rather quickly, at least uh, before the season even starts? I think they realized that it wasn't the right fit. I mean, I, looking at that game against Minnesota, and again, it's against backups and all those things, but, you know, they can, or maybe the, sec, the second game, and they, because he was gone by then, they continually had him, like you said, as the third safety, and, you know, playing receivers one on one, and guys that are quicker and maybe not more athletic but had different body types and were quicker, and he just couldn't hold up to that. And, and so they were having him essentially as the, as the nickelback when that's normally played by a corner that has a bit of experience in it and, and has more of a you know, football body to play with some of the – I mean, I remember one of the, one of the uh, big plays against the Chiefs was when the rookie Rasheed Rice just came in, cut, and cut outside – and Simmons just couldn't keep up with him. And so I, I think they realized they're, they're, they didn't have a fit for him in that defense and figured, why keep him around? Obviously, they didn't get much, but you know they, they, they saved some money, and some of it will go into the cap probably uh, next year, and they, he wasn't going to be signed in the offseason anyway. I wondered why the move wasn't made to put him on the edge at outside linebacker, just, hey, rush the passer. They're trying that with Zayvon Collins. We'll see how that works out. But like I said, I think they just, they just felt there, there wasn't a fit for him in this defense and just felt that they, they, they needed to move on. Talking Cardinals with Howard Balzer. Uh, last up, Monty Austinfort. Uh, it's been roughly seven months since he became the, the Cardinals' uh, top front office head honcho dude. What are your uh, still, I understand, early impressions on Austinfort, how he's tried to rework the roster? Well, it's a work in progress. And when you look at how the offseason was handled with 21 players that were either re-signed that had been here last year or new players, and no one signed more than a one- or a two-year contract, and they gave out very, very minimal guaranteed money and signing bonuses. And so the plan was to bring in a whole bunch of guys that are going to be hungry to earn that next contract. And of those 21, I think over only six or seven sign two-year deals. So, you know, bringing guys that are going to compete for jobs, going to be playing for that next contract, hopefully improve the depth, and 
help this team improve on an incremental basis. It obvi- there obviously was they weren't going to go out there and spend money that they felt was throwing it away during the off season, and that that's been the goal. I think one thing that you know should be noted is you know if they like Josh Dobbs enough, they should have made the move to you know as I said to mm-hmm. you know to sign him in March. But I think overall his his moves make sense in terms of what the overall plan is. Obviously, they've stockpiled draft picks uh, for next year. And here's, you know, here's one aspect of it that can't be lost on anyone is that except for the last year's draft and this year's draft, the players that are on the roster who all had, you know, four-year contracts, there's only three players on this roster right now that are under contract in 2025. That's only two seasons away. And the, those three guys are Kyler Murray, DJ Humphreys, and Jalen Thompson. And so that, you would think that'll change in the next offseason, but, but, but who knows? But that's, that's, everything they've done this, this year, this offseason, has been done with as much or more of an eye on next year and the year after and the year after than it was for this year. One last, last question. I promise this is really the last one. Jonathan Gannon, what stood no out about either his approach to training camp, dealing with the media, anything uh, caught your attention uh, with Gannon? Well, he has a favorite. Word. We all were wondering how he would treat injury information because with yeah. Cliff Kingsbury, every player was day-to-day. Unless it was clear it was a, a serious injury and he had to give out some information. But other than that, every player was day-to-day. With Jonathan Gannon, every player has a nick. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, uh, what uh, my Jai Sanders, well, we knew it was a hand only because we saw him with a cast on it uh, early in camp. With uh, Dennis Daly, a backup offensive lineman who got hurt in the game, was that, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I think Minis- that was against Minnesota. the Vikings. Yeah, it, right. yeah, it was against yeah. the Vikings. That was a nick. Well, now he's on injured reserve and can't play for at least the, four, the first four games of the season. So it seems that it was more than a nick, but you know, that's, that, that's one thing. He, he seems to have started giving shorter answers now as the, as, as the season approaches. And so, you know, this is a maiden voyage. I mean, we've talked a lot, Bobby, everyone has talked a lot about how, how young this team is. And by the way, they have 44 of the 53 players right now are in, on the roster are in their first, second or third year in the NFL. That's, that's a pretty young roster obviously 28 guys that weren't with the team last year. Last year at the start of the season, there were 14 that were new players. So we talked a lot about the players. The coaching staff is green as grass also. I mean, we have two coordinators making their debuts this week as the guys call, you know, calling the defense, calling the plays on offense. We have a lot of assistant coaches that are in their first year in the NFL. You know, how, will, how will that go? How will they react? How will they deal with the adversity that hits in any NFL season, even for some good teams, but perhaps especially this one? So I, th- I think that Gannon is try. He looks like he's established a culture and an attitude with the team that they seem to have bought into. But when you know what, Bobby, as I said earlier, when you have a whole bunch of guys playing for contracts and, a whole, and playing for jobs, then that's not that hard to do when you have a first-year coach. The question is how it plays out over time and what happens, like I said earlier, when uh, they start losing games, if indeed uh, that happens. And how will he deal with that and how will everyone else uh, deal with it? That's where you really learn about people is in times of adversity, and those haven't come yet. 
Thanks, Howard. Always appreciate it. My pleasure, Bobby. Take care. Howard Balzer of PHNX.com. In the next segment, it'll be phone call time, 602-260-1060. Also today's local roundup. That will include some of the Diamondbacks' disappointing performance last night or lack thereof against the Colorado Rockies and around the uh, National League wildcard race. Your list of the sports zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD 2 100.7. Teams Out West brings NFL, NBA, MLB, and local sports talk to you Monday night starting at 7 on KDUS AM 1060 and the KDUS 1060 app. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time to the KDUS hotline 602-260-1060. But truth be told, you're going to have to hustle up if you're going to get in this segment. Like right now, you got to call like this second almost, 602-260-1060. All right, the Diamondbacks uh, resembled a team going through the motions last night. Uh, from you know, Brandon Fott's opening you know, walk, he walked the, op- the opening hitter of the game, to the uh, really they were non-competitive at-bats in the bottom of the ninth inning last night. It seemed like the Diamondbacks, it seemed like they kind of assumed that they were going to beat the Rockies once again. Before last night, Arizona was 9-2 and against Colorado this season, outscored their last-placed opponent, 72 to 47 in those games, but last night the Diamondbacks didn't get much from Fott, and the offense silent with frequency since July the first. Managed only two runs on six hits. It was so bad that the Diamondbacks actually lost to Rocky starting pitcher Kyle Freeland. Nothing against Freeland, but he was winless in his previous 11 starts against Arizona, and he entered on Tuesday with the most losses in Major League Baseball by any pitcher. Last night, though, Freeland was the winning pitcher, allowing two runs in six innings, and uh, uh, he's now 6-14 and 14 in the season after that victory. In fact, the uh, Diamondbacks offense managed just six at-bats with runners in scoring position last night, left just six men on base. Not much happening, needless to say, at the plate for Arizona. Meanwhile, Fott was done after three and two-thirds innings and 70 pitches over that span. He led six hits and two walks. It's pretty much pretty, it was somewhat amazing uh, that he limited the damage to just three runs, even though he's really fortunate that Nolan Jones didn't hit a three-run homer in the first inning, uh, run, uh, an inning that he only gave up one run. But uh, he got by with that. But uh, the Diamondbacks lose, and uh, they conclude their season series against the Rockies today. And even in spite of last night's vict- uh, loss, excuse me, you would uh, you know, the Diamondbacks probably wish they played like 30 games left uh, with the uh, Rockies this season. But today's the last matchup of the season between the two teams. Kyle Davies, who's actually been good uh, since he's come back from the injured list, two and five on the season with a 6.45 run average, but good in the two starts off the uh, IL against Chris Flexen. Another one of the worst pitchers in the National League so far this season, much like Kyle Freeland had been. Flexen is 1-6 and six with a 689 earned run average. Was not a good night last night for the Diamondbacks as far as in Chase, at Chase Field and the scoreboard uh, for the uh, NL wildcard race. Also not good for the Diamondbacks. The Cubs beat the Giants again last night. Uh, Seo Suzuki and Christopher Morrell both homered. 
during the Chicago six-run seventh inning. The Cubs beat the Giants 11-8 last night. That's a third consecutive victory for the Cubs. Uh, they've also now uh, moved to a season-high 11 games over 500, 75 and 64 in the season. Uh, they are 49 and 28 since they dropped to 26 and 36 way back on June the 8th. Uh, but the Cubs have certainly turned things around, looked like they're a playoff team, etc. Meanwhile, uh, they play again today at Wrigley. And uh, Jordan Wicks, who just came back up from the minor leagues here recently and has been impressive so far, 2-0 and zero with a 180-year run average. He's a scheduled starting pitcher for the Cubs today. Uh, this is just his third major league start. Uh, he was a relief pitcher in his first couple of tries with the Cubs, but now he's starting. The Giants, uh, at least at last report, which was as of a couple hours ago, had yet to announce a starter for the season finale. Uh, they're the king of the opener. I assume what that that's kind of be their plan. Meanwhile, the Reds last night walked off the Mariners. Uh, Nick Martini, who destroyed the uh, Diamondbacks here a couple of weekends ago, even though the Reds uh, only won one of those four games, but Martini was clearly their best player that weekend. He came off the bench and had a game-tying three-run homer in the eighth inning last night. And then Christian Encarnacion Strand, uh, with an Arizona background, having played at Yavapai College back in the day. Uh, he drove in Ali De La Cruz in the ninth inning for the winning run. And the Reds won 7-6 to six over the previously hot Mariners on Tuesday night. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, speaking about being hot, uh, he had uh, two more home runs last night for the uh, Mariners, who have now lost three in a row for the first time since uh, August uh, 12th through the 14th. Uh, they remain a game behind the Astros, a fellow game behind the Astros. They're ahead of the Rangers. Uh, after, you know, Houston defeated the Texas Rangers last night, by the way, 14-1 to uh, in that contest. Meanwhile, uh, the Reds have now been the king of the comeback win. Uh, they've now had 44 comeback victories this season. That is the most in the major leagues. And Alexis Diaz got the save last night. He's been very good as their closer for the majority of the season. The one thing the Mariners have not been good at is one-run games. They're 21-25 and 25 in one-run games this season. Uh, today is the season finale at Cincinnati. Logan Gilbert goes for Seattle. He's been pretty good, 12-5. Uh, and five. They've actually got him runs. They've got some pitchers that have had no run support. He's had a lot of run support. He's 12-5 and five with a 356 or run average. And uh, Lion Richardson goes for the Reds, who has, I believe, made one start in his career until today, which would be start number two. Meanwhile, the Marlins beat the Dodgers last night. Brian De La Cruz hit a two-run homer in the eighth inning to break uh, the tie as the Marlins win 6-3 to three over the Dodgers. The Dodgers uh, playing their first game since the arrest of star pitcher Julio Urias uh, late Sunday on a felony charge of... Uh, of uh, you know basically uh, you know, spousal abuse. I'm going to re- kind of rephrase the technical term there. Uh, Urias did not travel with, with the Dodgers to Miami. Some believe that his season is likely over, depending on what happens in the legal system the next few days here. Uh, so we'll uh, and God knows it, it's probably not going to take a few days. So we'll see what happens with that. Last night, Jazz Chisholm, former Diamondback. At least he was in the organization. Uh, Josh Bell and Jake Berger all homered uh, for Miami, which has now won five in a row after they actually had fallen under 500 for the first time since May the 25th.
All right. When we come back, we'll wrap up today's Sports Zone with the National Roundup. That will include a little bit, uh, you know, as you, you know, I think everybody's aware of the Jason Kelsey situation. We talked about him during the uh, pipeline for today. Uh, Travis Kelsey? Travis Kelsey. Got my Kelsey's mixed up. Sorry about that. Um, they're both really good. <laughs> How about that? But anyway, his injury situation has certainly altered the point spread in the game uh, that begins the season on Thursday night. We'll tell you about that. And we'll get into a few other things, uh, maybe a little bit from the Major League Baseball scoreboard, maybe a little from the uh, rip from the headlines from the wire type of stuff. You're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD 2 100.7. SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. And we start uh, with the NFL season, of course, beginning tomorrow night. Will Mr. Kelsey be playing for Kansas City? Uh, this game was six and a half yesterday before the Kelsey injury, the knee problem that he suffered during practice, the hyperextended knee. We uh, became public knowledge. This game went from six and a half to four and a half. There are even a couple of fours in the state of Nevada, including at Circa, which is a very high volume, high handle sports book. So uh, there's certainly uh, there's been. Uh, Lots of action on the Lions in the last 24 hours since the Kelsey injury. Meanwhile, from the MLB scoreboard, it was the Jose Altuve show last night. He homered in his first three at-bats. Uh, in fact, I believe he homered in the first three innings of that game, which is seldom done. Uh, the return of Nathan Evaldi uh, to the Rangers rotation, that didn't last very long, unfortunately for him. And it ended up to be uh, a 14-1 to Astros victory against Texas last night at uh, at uh, at Dallas actually Fort Worth Arlington wherever they have the ball Arlington's the ballpark the actual location in the the uh, the Metroplex as uh, I believe they call it in Dallas but uh, 14 to one last night the Astros beat the Rangers once again uh, the Rangers have now lost uh, 14 of their last 18 games they're now two games back in the American League West. And uh, fading fast. Uh, tonight, interesting pitching matchup. Recent teammates, Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, uh, scheduled starting pitchers tonight. Of course, Verlander now with Houston, Scherzer with Texas. Uh, the first time that they've ever met in uh, their long careers, the first time they've ever faced each other in a scheduled pitching matchup, scheduled starting pitching matchup at least. Uh, so we'll see how this goes. They're the active leaders in strikeouts in Major League Baseball, and they're uh, two of the top three spots among active pitchers in victories. Also, from the wire, uh, from the NFL, Patriots corner and former uh, and also ASU alum, Jack Jones, had gum charges dropped on Friday, uh, excuse me, on Tuesday, in exchange for him agreeing to serve a one-year of uh, pre-trial probation and 48 hours of community service. 
according to court documents, it appears. We're still waiting to see if there's going to be any NFL action for that. Jamison Crowder, his return to Washington. He was drafted by Washington back in the day. And he will be uh, he's, he was signed to the practice squad of the Commanders, but he could be available for the Cardinals, uh, against the Cardinals for the Commanders on Sunday in the opener. Terry McLaurin still uncertain to make his week one debut because of a toe injury that he suffered in the last play of the final snap that he had in the preseason. Also this morning, uh, sticking with the NFL theme, outside linebacker Carl Nassib, who was uh, one of the stars of uh, Hard Knocks a few years ago. Uh, he, uh, his, he also became the first openly gay active NFL player in 2021. Nassib announced his retirement from football this morning. College football Ohio State head coach Ryan Day said that uh, quarterback Kyle McCord will start for a second straight week this week against Youngstown State, but Devin Brown will also get some snaps with the first team. LSU defensive tackle Mason Smith, who was injured in the opener last year against uh, Florida State, uh, he's expected to play his first game in more than a year on Saturday against Grambling. Uh, LSU coach Brian Kelly revealed that Smith expected to play around 30 snaps. He was an All-American candidate last year before he was injured in that season opener. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone for today. Uh, stay tuned. The Extra Point coming up next. He's hosted by Kayla in the next two hours. Uh, we'll have more phone call time. Uh, we'll have much more phone call time because I have almost no phone call time in this hour. My apologies. 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening.